welcome to a new episode of Covetra's Connected Care. I'm your host, Nicole Knight, and I'm Content Marketing Manager at Covetra's. Thank you for joining us. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Karen Felstead, a thought leader in our industry when it comes to veterinary economics and clinic strategy. She is the former CEO of the National Commission on Veterinary Economic Issues, which later became part of the American Veterinary Medical Association. She served on the research team for several major veterinary industry studies, including the Bayer Veterinary Care Usage Study. She has consulted with veterinary practices for over two decades and is founder and CEO of Panthera Tea, a financial advisory firm focused on the animal health industry. She holds a doctorate in veterinary medicine from Texas A&M University and is a certified public accountant and certified veterinary practice manager. Dr. Felstead, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I very much appreciate you having me. been looking forward to this. We are so glad you're here. For starters, let's kick it off with a little bit more about yourself. I am particularly curious about what inspired you to pursue your DVM degree after spending years with a big four accounting firm. Is there a story there? There is, actually. I um, thought I wanted to be a veterinarian back when I was in high school, and I went to a practice that was owned by somebody in our church. And they were taking the dew claws off of these little puppies and it was horrible. They cried and they screamed and they bled and I felt sick to my stomach and I thought I can never do this. And there's nobody in my family that's in a medical field. So nobody said, Hey, Karen, you'll get over it, whatever. So I, I just was like, okay, being a vet's not going to work. And I went to school. Um, I have a marketing undergraduate degree and a, a master's in accounting and, you know, went down that route. And then somewhere, you know, 10 years later or so, I was like, you know, I really want to pursue the veterinary medicine thing. And I started working part-time or volunteering and then working part-time at a practice in Dallas. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to try and do this. So I had to go back and get a year's worth of science prereqs and then applied. And Texas A&M fortunately liked older students and second career students. And and I was able to get accepted there. So it it um, it just all kind of happened, but a little later than I had originally originally planned. That is a great story. It sounds like you're passionate about it, which I love. It's worked out really well. I practiced medicine for about three years, companion animal and emergency, but people kept asking me to do business things for them because of my background. And I really liked the business side of it. And I think people appreciated the fact that I was a veterinarian and I knew how practices operated, had worked in a practice uh, or several practices. So it, it just ended up being a good fit when I moved over from the practicing medicine to doing the, um, the financial consulting side. Makes sense. Let's start with the basics. What is a care plan? Because I think sometimes the plans aren't clearly understood. And when I say care plan, I mostly mean wellness or preventative care plans, although some practices do use the plans for chronic care and other pet needs. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think there's some confusion. And I think at its very simplest, it's a bundled group of services and a price is put on that bundled group of services. And then for the most part, that price is divided into 12 and spread out over a year's worth of payments. 
And during that year, people make the same payment every month. And they also can get the various services or products that are included in that plan. And I agree with you. I think historically, when when these care plans first became available, they were all about wellness or preventive. And so you'd hear them call, well, you know, wellness plans or preventive care plans. But you are seeing some practices who are now using them for chronic care as well, or for something like dentistry, which isn't exactly chronic care, but it's a it's sometimes a bigger ticket item. And if you can spread those costs out over time, it makes it helpful for pet owners. I think the most important thing about care plans that really makes them successful in practices is when they contain products and services that the practice is passionate about providing to pet owners and to pets. And so this this means that there can be a ton of flexibility in the plans in in thinking about what services and products are included. It doesn't have to be the same for every practice, but practices that focus on the things that they just feel strongly every pet owner needs to get are the ones that have the most success with the plans. And in terms of success, let's look at some metrics, I guess I would say. Drawing on your expertise and research, let's stick with this. What do we know about compliance rates, pet health, revenue, and other metrics when it comes to care plans, when practices offer these plans? What do we know so far? There's been a number of studies done over the years, and what they clearly demonstrate is that all of those things show improvement in a practice, whether revenue goes up, visits go up, acceptance of certain kinds of care goes up. Something else a little surprisingly that increases is the usage of services outside of the care plans as well. And I think A lot of that has to do with when people feel comfortable with their care plan and the services that are included, and they know that they have those costs covered because they're making regular monthly payments, it it makes them a little bit more comfortable with then saying, okay, now I see that you're recommending a diagnostic test that's not included in my plan, but this isn't going to kill me financially. I can go ahead and do it. So you also see an improvement in the overall sale of services, and I don't mean sale of services to sound like we're just trying to get people to buy stuff, but uh, I should really say an improvement in the quality of care that pet owners are electing because they feel like they can afford it. And I also think because they're seeing a practice more regularly, they know more about what's what kind of care their pet needs. They're more comfortable with the relationship with the practice as well. That makes a ton of sense. And I would also just imagine that since they're going to the practice more regularly, the practice then gets that chance to kind of develop a deeper relationship with them, understand the pet better, understand the family better, you know, the pet parents, a lot of good. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. A lot I mean, of good I think, benefits. I think anytime we're spending more time with a pet owner and a pet, we're going to know them better. We're going to develop a deeper relationship. So there's no question that one of the benefits of the plan to the practice is this development of, of greater loyalty. And so I think the, the pet owner feels more bonded to the practice. They're more comfortable with the recommendations. I think they appreciate the fact, too, that the practice is offering options that make the care easier to provide from a financial standpoint. I mean, it's a whole lot easier. You know, you'll often see people that um, sign up for a care plan and they actually spend more per year than they used to, but because they're spreading it out 
over 12 months, it's easier for them to do. So it's a lot easier to, to let's say that their care plan is, is a total cost of products and services of $600. It's a whole lot easier for somebody to pay $50 a month than it is for them to have to pay $400 at one time or several hundred dollars, however it would otherwise be spread out. I think practices appreciate when we acknowledge that veterinary medicine is not always cheap and, and try and make it possible for them to provide the care they want to. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So just kind of to recap, what, what I think I'm hearing from you is there's sort of a pet health benefit to the care plans, and there's also a business. You know, veterinary care is a business, so there's there's both coming from these there, plans. I totally, totally agree. Um, and, you know, it kind of comes back to that old saying that good medicine is good business and good business is good medicine because they are very much tied together. If people are able to provide better care for their pets, that's good for everybody. It's good for the pet, for the pet owner, for the practice. So absolutely, I think you can make a strong business case for care plans and as well as a strong medical case. So I'm curious, given these benefits that we've talked about, do you see practices adopting care plans at an increasing rate these days? It's a good question. And of course, just like practically everything that we talk about these days, the pandemic gets in the way there. I would say pre-pandemic, yes, definitely. You saw an increasing number of practices offering care plans, though I still think um, it's certainly not every practice out there that offers them. I think the the pandemic put a bit of a, a kibosh on care plans, just like it did on so many things that we did in practices. And I think practices were so um, so busy just trying to provide basic care and trying to see the the increase or to take care of the increase in demand for care. And they're maybe struggling with lesser people because people are out with COVID or they're out having to take care of families or all of the thousands of things that impacted employee lives during the pandemic that it, it, I think the pandemic put a little bit of hold on changes in practices outside of the ones they absolutely had to make, like they had to do curbside, right? And they had to have better cleaning protocols, but they didn't so much focus on any kind of other change because they just didn't have the time to do it. But now I think that we're back to more um, pre-pandemic ways of operating. And I think too, when you start to think about our economy these days and inflation and um, I think people's concerns about um, how the economy is going to look going forward care plans become much more attractive again to pet owners. And I think because they're attractive to pet owners, they're attractive to practices, or they should be, certainly. It's 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 definitely something that I think practices should be looking at implementing. That leads right into my next question. There was a recent article in the Wall Street Journal um, talking about consumers, including pet parents, pairing back on spending. The The article came out uh, in February, so very recently, and it reported that a little over a quarter of pet parents surveyed reported delaying a vet visit or routine medication to save money. Now, 
Unclear, of course, how long this current inflationary climate will last or what's going to happen with our economy. But I am curious, is there a a more significant role for care plans in this type of economic environment? I definitely think so, because, you know, the big one of the big benefits about the care plans is it's the pet owners are used to paying a certain amount per month for this bundled group of services. And so, um, and that bundled group of services can be wellness services and it can include the chronic care, like you mentioned, um, and it can include dentistry, whatever. But what it means, at least for these services, is that pet owners don't have to sit and think every time, okay, should I take my pet to the vet and how much is it going to cost? But they can, they know at least for the group of services that are included, that it's already included. They're making those regular payments every month. So it's easy to pick up the phone and make that appointment. And so I definitely think that it that it helps. I, I don't think we can overemphasize how important spreading payments out is to pet owners. And particularly when you look at a younger generation of, of pet owners and you look at how they're paying for things elsewhere. Um, I was on the Bed Bath & Beyond website um, a month or so ago. And, you know, even for a $40 purchase, I was buying sheets or something. Um, I can I can choose a couple of different payment options they have there that let me spread out my $40 payment. And, and veterinary care is it's pretty infrequently that we ask people to only spend $40, right? It's often much more. So if we know that, that, that pet owners, that consumers want that ability to spread out payments on even small payments, you can clearly see how it, how it works on larger payments as, as well and, and how attractive that is. So, I, I mean, I think we as veterinary medicine need to learn from what we're seeing, you know, all of these other businesses do. I definitely see what you mean there about that subscription type of economy. You know, we've got our prime memberships, we've got our streaming memberships, we've got gem memberships that are monthly. And that's kind of what the consumer, the pet parent nowadays expects from all the different services, including veterinary services that they consume. Yeah. And well, and I mean, when you think about this whole subscription model, you know, really, if you even go back um, more to, I don't, unfortunately, I'm not in the younger generation anymore. So you even go back to my generation. And, you know, when you think about buying a house or buying a car, I mean, that's a subscription model. I mean, that's essentially what a loan is, right? And so people are used to and need for larger purchases, but even for the smaller ones, as you can see by the Bed Bath & Beyond example, yeah, it does. It makes it more possible for them to spend money on things that are important to them. So last question for you, are there any software or technology advances to support care plans that stand out to you? For example, we see practices use our technology to create personalized care plans because the software makes it easy to add or remove options. What are you seeing in terms of the intersection of technology and care plans? Yeah, and I think the technology has made, I think in the early days of care plans, um, technology wasn't as as good in supporting care, care plans as it is now. And 
Um, and I think care plans can be time consuming at the practice level to, to get started. So you have to design the plans, you have to train your employees, you have to educate um, pet owners and that kind of stuff. Technology makes an enormous amount of difference in all of that. And with the, the changes in technology that we're seeing, it, it's huge. I, I think personally, two things that are the most important is one is the better integration of the care plan with the PIM system, with the practice information management system, because everybody's totally reliant on their PIM system. But the second part is that personalization, because that really does give a ton of flexibility to a practice. And so you can have a basic plan that you have available, let's say for um, an adult dog or an adult cat, but now you want to add a dental to it. So you add a dental to it and that changes the amount that the pet owner will pay each month for, say, a year or so. Then you get through the dental. They don't necessarily need that in the next year. That that service can be easily taken away um, if they end up with some kind of a, a chronic disease and are going to need ongoing care related to that. So whether that's um, recheck diagnostic tests or medications or whatever, that can be included in the plan. To me, the personalization is is huge. I mean, that's probably the, that and the integration with the PIMS are the two most important changes that we've seen. But all of the changes that we've seen in technology as well um, that help with communication and marketing also help with care plans because it just gives us another opportunity to talk to pet owners about those. And so I think this has definitely made, these changes in technology have definitely made it easier for pet owners, for practices to integrate plans and for pet owners to use them. Definitely, especially when they scale the plans to any degree. You know, there's a big difference between having 10 plans and having 200, definitely. And, and to your point, too, about if they want to provide any level of customization to either showcase maybe the specific services that they're super passionate about, or add things like dental to an existing plan and then have it, you know, kind of carry out the monthly payments adjust for the rest of the plan term with that new dental. I mean, those are all things that make a big difference to the pet parent and to the practice. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree there. And I think particularly because many practices, even though I think um, revenue growth is slowing and visits have certainly been slowing, um, practices are still busy and anything that makes um, integrating a new service like this easier, I, I mean, there, people are just more likely to do it. So, and, you know, it, it, I'm, I've always been a huge fan of the care plans. They just make sense to me. And, and you know, when we think about our own lives and how we spread out our payments and that sort of thing, um, it's just a, it's a no brainer as to whether or not a practice should offer them. But I recognize too, you want to make it as easy as possible. This isn't something anymore I would try and do on my own manually in a practice. I think working with a company and working with technology that that's been well designed to allow for these aspects of care plans makes all the sense in the world. Well, Dr. Felstead, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I love this topic, so it's fun to talk about. I can tell you're so passionate about it. It's wonderful. <laughs> I am. I really do. I think I think the care plans make so much sense. We agree. 